to episode seven of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Justin Bizarro, and today I have with me my co-host, Deborah Mikus. Hello. And today we'll be interviewing Lindsay Beckworth, the owner of Loose Sugar Bakery. Lindsay, could you introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Lindsay Beckworth, and uh, as Justin just said, I'm the owner of Loose Sugar Bakery. We're located in Sandersville, Georgia which is a really small town of about uh, five to 8,000 people, um, halfway between Macon and Augusta in central Georgia. Um, our cafe and storefront location is actually located inside of Oconee Falline Technical College. Um, we're right outside of the library and we have a little cafe where we're open for lunch. Um, what we're mainly known for though is our cheese straws, which of course we sell those at the cafe, but we also have a wholesale program as well. So we, um, we sell those throughout the state of Georgia. And then, of course, on our website as well, which is loosesugarbakery.com. So since a lot of our audience comes from different parts of the country, could you tell everyone what a cheese straw is? <laughs> yeah, you know, growing up in the South, it's like, I feel like, because my dad always made cheese straws, so I feel like everyone should know what they are. But we do get that question a lot. Um, you can usually tell where a person is from by whether or not they've had a cheese straw. But basically... Um, it's just, it's made with uh, extra sharp cheddar cheese and then flour and um, butter or margarine, depending on, um, you know, uh, what recipes you use. But it's basically just a, a cheese dough and you extrude it through a cookie press. Um, different people make them in different ways. We do ours in like a thin straw because it makes it crispier once it cooks up in the oven. Um, I once had a friend from Michigan who said it's basically um, a fancy cheese it. So if that helps give you an idea of, of what the crispness and the taste um, that I have had it, you know, described that way before. I love them because they do taste like Cheez-Its <laughs> in some ways. And, and we do love Cheez-Its in our household. That's for sure. <laughs> so especially the white cheddar ones, they seem to not last very long when we buy them. <laughs> so when did you start uh, Loose Sugar Bakery and, and how did you get into it? It was actually kind of um, almost an accident, I guess. Um, so when I was in college, I, uh, I went to the University of Georgia and I majored in journalism. Um, but I found that baking was really like a stress reliever for me. So a lot of times if I had, you know, like a really big test coming up or whatever, when I just couldn't put any more information in my brain, I would um, go into the kitchen and just look up a recipe and just kind of the methodical nature of measuring and, and just the process was really peaceful for me. So, um, so that's how I kind of got into baking. But what made me really want to start my business was the fact that after I finished baking and I had, you know, 24 cupcakes. Um, I was like, well, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't eat all these. So that was when I would call all my friends over. And it's, it's always been like, just so interesting to me how um, community seems to congregate around food, you know, like food creates this amazing community and it really brings people together. And I, I love that concept. So after I graduated, um, I thought, well, what if, you know, I like move back to my hometown and I take this idea of food creating community and um and I start a, a bakery and um and so that's that's kind of how we got started um so I started right after I moved home from college and um and it's just kind of been a an adventure ever since um we started out in a a really small coffee shop location and um 
and then I moved into a um, commercial kitchen that I had actually built behind my parents' house. It was out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> about 20 minutes from the grocery store. So anytime I needed anything, it took forever to get back and forth. Um, but yeah, so we, we were there. And then about two years ago, um, the space at Oconee Fall and Technical College opened up. And I really enjoyed having a storefront because um, it, it's been nice to, you know, people come in for lunch and um, it's just, it's really cool to be able to just kind of like sit down with customers and talk with them. And, um, and yet again, that idea of the fact that, you know, food creates community. Um, I love the fact that that's, that's a big part of my job every day. So is your storefront also your bakery? Is it are both together? Yeah. So um, the school had actually originally built um, a, a really nice kitchen because they had aspirations of having a uh, like a culinary school or a culinary program. And uh, the accreditations didn't work out for that. So um, so they put the space up for, um, you know, for lease. And so um, we moved in there. So we've got our kitchen space here at the school. Um, and then our cafe is connected. So we do pretty much 95% of our production all from this one location. And is your clientele primarily the student population or do you also expand out to the broader public? We have uh, we have a lot of people that come in from the outside, and it's been really cool to see because I you know I grew up in Sandersville my whole life, and I never really thought about the fact that you know we have a technical college like right here in town because it's kind of uh, the location is right outside of the city limits, so it's kind of tucked away, um, and so it's been really cool to to kind of be like a, a promoter of the school as well. Um, so we have you know people that come in from outside that have never even been in the school before, and um, it gives them a chance to see what kind of resources are kind of right here, you know, right up under their noses that they might not have experienced before. Um, Cause there's a really, there's a really good library here. There's lots of meeting spaces. Um, you know, there's plenty of room to spread out. Um, you know, there are companies that have actually, you know, started having some of their meetings here at the school just because they, you know, they didn't know that the space was here, but because, you know, one of their executives came in for lunch one day and realized, oh, wow, you know, the library would be a really great space to get together and have, you know, a meeting outside of our normal environment. So for baking and stuff, did you grow up baking before college? Is it something you did with your, your mom and dad? Is it, and how did that whole thing come? Cause you didn't go to school for baking. Obviously you said journalism. Right. Um, yeah, I, some of my first memories I think are of, um, of me and my mom making brownies together, which we always did the, the brownie mix, which, um, now that I have had some baking experience, mixes are a no, no, um, we do everything. <laughs> from scratch but um but that's how I got my start was um you know like my mom showing me how to crack eggs and you know mix everything together and and um putting stuff in the oven and and um and enjoying the result and then um the cheese straws the recipe that I use is actually my dad's recipe um for the longest time when I was growing up he he was kind of like the cheese straw guy you know um that's what everyone requested for like Christmas and birthday gifts was um, was his cheese straws. And so after I kind of got my baking business going, um, 
people people would ask me who my dad was and um and I'd say oh you know it's Mike Beckworth and they'd be like oh well I bet he's showing you how to make those cheese straws right can we get some of those cheese straws from you so um so he had to kind of train me on that and um and now it's like you know that's kind of um a piece of the story you know, every time I make cheese straws, I think about how, you know, like I used to watch my dad and, um, and now like, you know, he, he comes in and watches me do all the hard work, you know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so, uh, what year did you graduate from college? So I graduated from UGA in 2010. Okay. So you've been doing this for almost nine years and, um, in those nine years and, and in growth and all that, what lessons have you learned about business and about uh, being a baker and, and the such? Oh, wow. There's way too many to, um, to count. In fact, in the beginning, I really wish that I had written down a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the things that, um, that I learned as I went. But I think for me, one that keeps coming up over and over is um, just the importance of, of not letting fear hold you back from kind of like chasing, you know, chasing the dreams that you feel like you're, you're called to. Um, when I launched my business, I mean, I had no I had no real you know, experience as far as like I didn't have a business degree. I didn't have like, you know, I had never really worked in a bakery or anything. And, um, and I kind of just, <laughs> because I was naive, um, it didn't, it didn't scare me to kind of like jump out there and be like, Oh, we're just going to try this and see, um, which a lot of that was because I had a really good support network. So I definitely say like the importance of being brave and believing in yourself and, um, and believing in your product too. And then also having other people that believe in you, um, that are gonna, you know, uh, encourage you when you get frustrated or, you know, they're going to listen to you, um, cry whenever things don't go the way that you wanted them to go. Um, if I hadn't had a super strong support system, I, I definitely know that I would not be where I am today. Um, my family has been huge. Um, and then just the people that I've met along the way, yet again, it goes back to that idea of community. Um, I love coming to work every day because there's just something about like just talking about life while you're like working with your hands and you're involved in, in a project. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, it's further confirmed that, um, you know, community is, is important and um, it's what makes life way more colorful and business too, way more colorful. Um, let's see, what other lessons? Um, and definitely just like not being afraid to, to ask questions and to try new things. Um, you know, I've had tons of my entrepreneur friends tell me, you know, don't never be afraid to just jump out there and, and do something. I mean, if you think, if you think it's a good idea, try it and see, and, um, and, you know, don't be afraid to, to do it because, um, you know, you never know until you try. So. For sure. Did you start this venture with anyone else or all on your own? So it was, it's pretty much, uh, just me, um, from the beginning, which, like I said, my parents were, a, a huge part of it, um, especially from the financial perspective, um, because my dad is, you know, he's, he's in business, he's a CFO. So it was like having that experience behind me, I say would, would definitely be something that helped me a lot. Cause I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs start out with big dreams and big visions and they don't have a handle on the finances and then things go south really quick when you can't pay your bills. So um, having that guidance from the beginning um, 
was was definitely definitely huge but yeah as far as like all of the all of the work and all of that it was it was pretty much just me from the beginning um and <laughs> when i started it's crazy but i never even thought about the idea that in order to grow it was going to re require other people you know like employees and and all of that and um and so when we got to that point it was like oh wow i never when i launched my business i never even considered the fact that I was going to have to think about HR policies and like hiring and firing and, and all of this stuff. Um, and I'm glad I didn't know that in the beginning because I probably wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have jumped into it if I had. <laughs> yeah. I used to say if someone had given me a script of everything I would have to do, I don't know if I would have done it, but I'm so glad I've had the opportunities I've had and the businesses I've had. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's so, um, when you learn to just live life one day at a time and do what you can one day at a time, um, it gets, it's a lot less overwhelming when you just realize that, you know, we're bound to, to what we can do in, in, the, in 24 hours and then we'll deal with the other 24 hours when they come, you know? <laughs> I think that's so important is so many people when they start a business or an entrepreneur, they're thinking, you know, they're scared because the, the sight of 30 days down the road or 30 years down the road or 30 months down the road and it petrifies petrifies them in fear and they don't move forward but if you can do what you can do today to move forward and then that's all that matters and just getting that step in front of you and continue to move forward i mean that's really the hardest part is just making sure you focus on the day-to-day -day stuff because that's the only way to to keep pushing the line yeah, that that's so true. And I think um, the importance of setting goals and having long term goals, you know, knowing where you kind of want to go in the next year and the next five years and the next 10 years, and then breaking it down to the, the 24 hour periods. It's like, you know, um, one of our goals for, you know, the next 10 years is like, okay, well, we want to see $5 million in sales. What does that look like? Well, you know, how can we take little steps now in order to to make sure that we're setting ourselves up to grow to that potential. Um, you know, $5 million sounds like an overwhelming number to us right now, but it's like, let's break it down, you know, day by day and, and see what we can do to get there. And it's just, it's so amazing how when you break it down, um, it, it's not so big, it's not so scary. Yeah, I've heard people use vision boards for, for things like that, where they put thing on a board that they look at every day and it has numbers on it and goals for their businesses and for their personal life. And there seems to be a lot of success in that. Uh, Deborah and I are, haven't done one yet, but it, the board's sitting there, we're planning on doing a, a couple's date night, an entrepreneur couple's date night and making our vision board. So that should be interesting. Um, I don't yeah, know. But... I love that. So... Yeah, because it there's something about just having it in front of you, you know, a constant reminder. So yeah, that's a cool idea. Um, that being said, so what happened with the old kitchen that's behind your parents' house? You mentioned that you built it, um, the kitchen originally at your parents' house. So how, um, how has that gone and are you still using it? Um, that's kind of a, more of an overflow facility at this point. Um, we use it sometimes around the holidays whenever we're swamped here. Um, for the most part, my dad has kind of taken over um, and, and um, he, he uses it because he loves to cook. 
And, um, and so he kind of uses it. It's actually kind of turned into like a, a family gathering place now. So whenever we have, you know, family over, um, my dad will, you know, like use that kitchen to cook because it's more set up for a, you know, like a large type gathering environment than, um, than the home kitchen is. So, but it's, it's so cool to, to go, you know, down back to my parents' house and, um, and see where it all started. Like every time I walk into that kitchen and I think about how many nights, like, you know, I was up until like two or three in the morning trying to get orders filled or like all the, um, heart to hearts I had with like my mom when I was like having a breakdown or, you know, I mean, it's just, there's so much, I feel like history of my business in that space. And so, um, I'm glad that it's, you know, somewhere where I can go back and, and kind of visit it every now and then just to, if nothing else, to remind myself how far I've come. Yeah. Deb um, Deborah and I have recently heard that you had to be happy where you were before you can be happy where you're going to next. And, uh, it sounds like that's a little bit of it. You did so well there and there's so many great memories. So it's good, a good place to start off at, but it sounds like the place you're at now is a, the growth and a, and a happy place too. Right. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's one of those things like hindsight is twenty twenty. I guess. And, you know, when I was going through some of the stuff that I went through in our, in our original space, when it was just me and, and we were kind of growing and I was overwhelmed. Um, and then, you know, to, to be here in this space that's so much bigger and the equipment is, you know, so much more high tech than what we had and what we started with. It's just, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a good reminder. Um, I think to remember that, you know, one day at a time and, and you're gonna, you're gonna get somewhere if you're focused on your goal. Um, so I think it's kind of cool to have that, that opportunity to be able to, you know, compare the two. And, um, and, and like I said before, just as a reminder of like, wow, you know, I might feel like I'm not going anywhere right now, but you know, this kitchen is proof that like I, I grew to something else. And one day, you know, who knows, like the space we're in right now may be, you know, kind of part of the story of, of our growth in terms of, well, I remember when we were in that space, but now we've outgrown it and we've, you know, we've moved to something different. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it, it's an adventure. And when you look at it that way, it makes all the kind of the little things that seem overwhelming when you're in them, um, when you think of the bigger picture and, and kind of like, Oh, well, you know, where will we be in five years or 10 years? It's, I mean, it turns it into something fun and you're like, okay, we can get through this little mishap because we're moving towards something bigger and something greater. You know, you mentioned some earlier about HR departments and uh, hiring and firing. And so what, at what point did you get to where you knew you needed to start bringing on employees? Cause I know that's a whole nother dimension for an entrepreneur. Right. Uh, yeah. So when I was at my other space um, at my parents' house, you know, I would bring in like friends, relatives, whoever was available um, kind of as I needed them. But when we really made the choice that it was time to officially hire people and, um, you know, like get an accountant that could do payroll and all of that stuff was when we opened our storefront because um, we were going to have, you know, like a a cafe. So we had to have people to make the sandwiches and, you know, like man the register and do all of that stuff. So the fact that we, 
we had the setup that we did at the school where everything was kind of already there and we just had to move in. It made that transition a little bit easier um, because it was like, okay, I know I need at least two or three people to, to make this operation happen. And, um, and so, you know, it was just kind of like a smooth transition to, okay, now it's time to officially hire people that, you know, aren't just going to be here as I need them, but they're going to going to show up every single day because you know we have we now have hours and we you know people are going to be walking in off the street and we have to be prepared and so it was it was really a smooth smooth transition um because you know but when you open a storefront i mean you you have to have the extra manpower how many employees do you have um so right now we've got i've got about four or five, um, which we're in January right now. So we're kind of, you know, this is our slower, slower period, but at any given time, we've got, you know, about four or five people on staff. And, um, to change the topic a little bit. So at the cafe, um, what are your most popular items? Um, so our cheese straws are probably hands down our, our most popular, um, most popular item. Um, we also have a salted caramel cookie, um, which we sell those on our website as well. Um, we started doing something that we called the, um, the Southern cake cookie collection. So basically we take, um, Southern cakes that are popular and kind of use that, that flavor profile as, um, as inspiration for cookies. And, um, they're a lot easier to ship than cakes. So that's kind of, that was our thinking with that. So we have a salted caramel cookie that's got, um, salted caramel chips actually in the cookie. And then we put the classic, uh, like Southern, um, caramel icing on top with a little bit of salt. Those are really popular, uh, at our cafe. Um, and we do a, a, like a red velvet cookie as well. Um, we sell those on the website too. And, um, and those are popular, especially now with Valentine's day coming up. Well, I think we're going to have to bring it napkins into the studio from now. And I saw <laughs> Deborah almost drool on the microphone. <laughs> cookies are my favorite. Deborah loves cookies. So, um, and so uh, on that topic of, of you said you can get them on the website, is that uh, how you do a majority of your sales or you're in stores or in, only in the cafe and online? How can people get your, your products? So, yeah, we do a majority of, of um, our sales definitely at the cafe because um, we have all of that stuff, you know, available. Every, uh, we're open Monday through Friday. Um, and we're in the process of really kind of expanding our online presence. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, I feel like I'm just, I'm just starting to scratch the surface of understanding how you can, um, how you can reach, you know, new customers all over the world, really through those platforms. And so um, we're really gearing up to increase our social media. Um, and yet again, the idea of community, um, we're really trying to build like an online community where it's not just, oh, you know, people really like our food, but it, it's like, you know, we connect with with our customers and um, we really share the joy of um, Southern sweets with everybody all over all over the United States. Cause I feel like that that's important. Um, the rest of the United States needs to, to, to taste, to taste what it's like to live in the South. But um, so yeah, Right now, our two biggest, I guess, points of, of contact as far as if people want to get our products is either the cafe here in Sandersville or um, online at loosesugarbakery.com. And your online business, is it primarily individuals or do you also sell wholesale? We 
we've kind of started um, a little bit of a wholesale program. We're in the in the process of learning um, how to to manage a wholesale program as far as adding you know extra production to our you know already kind of full production schedule. Um, but um, so we, we are expanding into wholesale. We do have a few wholesale accounts in Georgia um, and a few like in, you know, Louisiana, like, you know, kind of like southeastern um, states. You mentioned community also. And um, who in the community that you know or, or worked with has helped you grow your business? I know you mentioned your father as a mentor, and we'll get back to that in a little bit. But who else in the, the food business in Georgia has helped you uh, move your business forward? Um, well, I have a lot of I have a lot of local friends. It's really amazing in Sandersville for the size of the town, the number of um, entrepreneurs that kind of keep springing up. It, it's a really interesting, um, interesting dynamic, and it, it's fun to be a part of. So, um, Dina Bibb with Proper Pepper, uh, she's here in Sandersville, and um, she's been a, a really good point of contact because she, um, you know, like the Georgia Department of Agriculture. Um, she has a lot of connections there and, you know, we, we kind of trade ideas back and forth. They're like, oh, I think you should talk to this person or this might be a good wholesale account. So, um, so she's been a really, a really great friend and a really great, um, just encouragement. And it's been really cool to see her business grow. Um, and then the small business development center, which is, uh, it's like sponsored by the university of Georgia and it's, uh, consultants that, are just available. It's a free service. It's kind of like an economic development service. I, I can't say enough good things about, about the SBDC. Um, I have uh, my local consultant, his name is Eric Fricky, and he has helped me with everything from getting QuickBooks organized to once we grew bigger to helping me find a good accountant, um, to helping me, you know, write policies and manuals and deal with with issues as they arise it's it's been just this really great encouragement to have somebody that if they don't know the answers they know an expert who can help you and they can help make that that connection um i when i first started there was there was like a lot of times where i felt completely alone and like i didn't have anybody to help me or i didn't have anybody to you know, help me work through issues and problems. But um, once I found the Small Business Development Center, it was like, I feel like that's kind of when my business really started to take root and really started to grow with intention because I had people that were not just helping me, you know, with the problems that I had, but were also rooting for me as well. You know, Eric will call me randomly and just, just to ask me how things are going and if there's any issues or problems that, that he can help me resolve. Um, so that's, that's an amazing service that I have um, that I believe in very much because they've been instrumental in helping our business get to where it is. So is that a resource that all Georgia based businesses can utilize? Yeah, it is. And the thing that I, you know, I always, anybody comes to me asking, Oh, you know, I'm trying to start a business. What should I do? I always direct them to the small business development center because um, it's, it's a free resource. So if, as long as you are a for-profit corporation in the state of Georgia, um, you have access to, to all the consultants that they have because uh, they have offices, um, you know, all throughout the state of Georgia in Athens, Augusta, Macon, Savannah. So regardless of, of where you are, there's, there's somebody that's close by that can help you out. 
That's an amazing resource. I mean, every time we turn around, I just feel like there are so much support for new businesses in the state of Georgia. The Department of Ag, you know, the different universities, them all being under one board of regents. I mean, it's just truly amazing. Flavor of Georgia, Georgia Grown. I mean, there's just all these groups that really help these small businesses. I love hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really cool because, like, I mean, you can go to, you know, they have, like, um, conventions and seminars, and, and it's a really great network because every time I've ever been to any event that they host, it's, you know, whether it's, you know, the Department of e- Economic Development or, you know, the Georgia Brown Program through the Department of Ag. I mean, there's just so many interesting people and um, and so many business connections to be made. It's 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 really cool, and it's something that's fun to be a part of. And as a University of Georgia graduate, I'm sure you're quite proud of how much the University of Georgia is doing for for entrepreneurs in the state of Georgia and food entrepreneurs in particular. It blows Deborah and I away every time, you know, we're in Georgia and doing business there, how much support is given to, to everyone there in the development. And, you know, everyone has such an accelerated learning curve in the food business there. I know it's like any other business. It takes a while before you really become successful. But that being said, they provide so many resources that so many other states do not provide. Um, and, and with that being said, would you do you feel that your hardships and uh, have been easier because you've had those resources? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I've had... Um, you know, going back to like the HR thing, I mean, just dealing with labor law and making sure that as a small business, you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. You know, a lot of larger corporations have people that are, you know, dedicated just to making sure that, you know, the business is is doing everything that it should be to, to comply with, you know, the Department of Labor. And when you're a small business, sometimes that, you know, all those rules and regulations seem really overwhelming. And when you're dealing with a situation where you want to make sure you're doing everything correctly, um, you know, like the SBDC has a a consultant who is, you know, well-versed in labor law. And so I had a a situation where I had to, you know, I sat down one-on-one with her and I was like, here's my situation. How should I handle it? How should I approach it? And it's like, it, you know, it was a situation that when it arose, I was completely overwhelmed. But the minute that I realized, oh, yeah, like I can just call somebody at the Small Business Development Center, like it, it took so much pressure off of me because all of a sudden I didn't have to have all the answers, you know, I, but I knew who I could call, um, you know, for someone who did have all the answers. Right. Have you entered any of your products into the flavor of Georgia? That. Um, is actually how I got started, like how my business actually um, kind of started to take root, I guess. Um, In 2014, um, I entered a praline um, that was made with peaches instead of corn syrup. Um, And we called it the Peachy King Pecan Praline. And we actually won that year in the confection category. And um, (laughs) looking back, I, I had no clue how to what to do with all of the, um, I guess, you know, like the media attention and the, um, the wholesale inquiries that came in. I mean, cause at that point it was just me and I, I was just kind of like just getting off the ground with doing like pralines and candy and things like that. And so, uh, looking back, it's one of those things where I'm like, wow, if I, had known then what I know now, I would have definitely capitalized a lot more on that publicity. Um, but 
the experience of being in Flavor Room, Georgia was just, it was, it was really amazing. Um, it was super stressful because you have to give your presentation, you know, and I think the confection category, the year that I did it, um, we gave our presentations last. So it was like, I had to, you know, spend all day, like <laughs> waiting to, to do my presentation. But, um, you know, the, it's grown so much now since, since 2014. Um, I've, I've had friends who have entered since then and you know i mean the the amount of um you know publicity and the connections that you can make now i mean it's turned into a really amazing program that if you you know are a finalist i mean it can really it can really take your business to the next level because they've definitely grown grown you know tremendously since since 2014 when i entered well, it sounds like it might be time to do it again now that you're better positioned in case you were to win. I know. Yeah, I keep seeing the um, uh, the emails. I, I think the application deadline may have already passed. But, um, but yeah, we, we've been in the process of trying to come up with some new products um, so that maybe we can enter in the future. Justin's been a judge twice. And, you know, we always laugh because he's always like, Deborah, you do it. And I've kind of calculated. And I think that as a judge, you have to eat like 15,000 calories. And I'm just like, <laughs> no way. Yeah, it's, it's actually true. And uh, I think it's been three years, but the, um, but every year I can't eat any food for like two days. Cause I'm, uh, because I don't want to waste any. So I'm like, I get every bite, you know, everyone, I see everyone, they take their little bites. Now I'm like, I'm getting full flavor. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a, an amazing event for sure. And I think what the University of Georgia has done with that event and the um, and the team there, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, it's just, uh, there's nothing like it. And again, Georgia and the support that they give in the community and the way they connect people and and people come together, I mean, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, I haven't seen any other state that does it like that and brings you all together and encourages cooperation and to learn from each other and the willingness to to be open with one another and share things so each other can grow. And it's it's a pretty neat thing. And things like Georgia Grown and and uniting everyone together to to grow together and um, and push the products forward. It's just not like something I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's it's it is really um, really interesting to see how you know Georgia has really taken its you know not just drawing attention to its um, agricultural products, but you know like what what other entrepreneurs are are doing with those with those products, whether it's you know like peanuts or pecans or blueberries or you know I mean there's just there's so many like you know so much good industry here, and the fact that. Um, the Georgia Rome program, you know, draws attention to that and makes it kind of like a, you know, I mean, it's, it's like an exclusive thing, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you, this was made in Georgia with Georgia products. It, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a great thing to be a part of for sure. Yeah. And I definitely want to give a shout out quickly to Kent Wolf, who oversees uh, the University of Georgia's Center for Agribusiness and Economic Development, what they do there and, and the things that they're accomplishing and the resources they give people is phenomenal. So if you're in the state of Georgia and trying to grow a business, I really recommend looking to them. And, and like you said, the small business um, development center, as well as the uh, Department of Economic Development and Department of Agriculture, Georgia Grown. I think all of those things are such massive resources for, for any individual. And, 
And so that being, that being said, so how, as, uh, as learning the business and becoming a food entrepreneur, what are some of the things that we've talked a little bit about HR and about financing? What are the things that you have done where you, you've grown in since having the business outside of the food itself? Uh, you mean like different uh, aspects yeah. of like business? Yeah, I know entrepreneurs tend to wear multiple hats in their business. So where are the, some of the things that you're learning now and have learned or feel that you still have a long way to go to learn? <laughs> um, logistics is a big thing. So, um, you know, like we have our cafe. So like trying to figure out how to schedule people and making sure you have, you know, enough people to to do the work that needs to be done but not so much that you're like you know your labor cost is too high um i've learned how to you know like look at food cost and break down food cost and try to figure out okay how you know where can we how can we save or do we need to go up on prices um so you know i've i've learned to like watch the numbers and you know read i, I know how to read the balance sheet and the you know all the reports that come in um whereas when i first started i mean that stuff you know it's like oh yeah the numbers i don't really want to deal with the numbers but now um now i'm that person that's telling everybody oh by the way guys don't waste that that'll make our food costs go up we got to think about food costs you know <laughs> um so i'm now that person that i said i would never be um, and, you know, shipping has been a big thing, um, trying to figure out the logistics of how to, you know, different size boxes and we have to, you know, okay, here's our product. What's the best size box? How can we fit it most efficiently? Um, that's probably the bane of my existence right now is, is shipping. Um, so if anybody has any advice on that, uh, please send it my way. Um, and being a manager too, like being a manager and a leader, um, that, that's been the biggest thing. It's like, I find myself now, like, you know, trying to read as much as I can about how to be a better leader, you know, um, how to bring out the best in people, how to like, you know, um, place people in positions so that they really thrive with, with what they're doing. Um, I think for me personally, I see that as kind of one of my biggest responsibilities right now is like growing as a leader, because I feel like if I'm going to grow a company and if I want to have, you know, a hundred employees one day, what does that look like? I mean, you know, you're going to have to interact with those people. You're going to have to encourage those people. You're going to have to like, um, call out the gifts in them and say, Oh, you know, well, you're really good at this. So I'm going to put you here so that they're finding joy in what they're doing. Um, you know, so that for me, I think is, is one of the biggest things that I never really expected when I first started my business was how much I, it, you know, I was going to have to grow personally, um, as my business grew, because, you know, the girl that started this business, you know, eight or nine years ago, um, definitely would not be capable of, of managing, you know, a crew like I am right now. And it's, it's like, I'm glad that that's been a, a gradual thing where I was able to make small mistakes and learn, you know, extremely valuable lessons so that as, as the business grows, I'm, I'm prepared, um, you know, just as an individual to kind of grow with it, if that makes sense. It does. So I have a big question for you. Considering you now have all these different hats you wear, do you still, to manage your stress, get yourself into the kitchen and bake? 
Is that still your stress <laughs> reliever? You know, sometimes it depends. Um, I still do really get excited about, you know, new recipes and trying new things. Um, but what I'm finding now is I'm, it's like I'm almost going back to my journalism roots. Um, when I get stressed out about what's going on at the store, I just enjoy like I, I enjoy uh, the food photography um, part of it. So I've really had a lot of fun doing the social media and, um, you know, like taking pictures and, and all of that. Um, so it, it's been interesting because I, I was actually telling someone this the other day that I'm not so much a, a baker anymore. I don't see myself necessarily as a baker. I see myself more of as, as a business owner now, um, you know, and so that's been an interesting transition because when I first started, it was like, all I wanted to do was be the baker. And now what's really exciting to me is figuring out ways to help the business grow um, so, so yeah, that's been an interesting, interesting transition for me. For sure. I mean, as business owners, we all wear so many different hats and there's definitely favorite parts and there's the dreaded parts and, you know, I love hearing how you're getting to the artistic side and the photography and it's definitely a part of the world that's expanding in social media. It makes it so available to everyone. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, it's crazy, like the, you know, the responses that you'll get from, you know, somebody from like, you know, New York, and it's like, oh, wow, like, when I posted that, I, I never even thought someone that far away would see it, you know, I mean, social media and the internet has totally just opened, you know, opened a new world for, um for, for entrepreneurs in general, because I feel like it, it doesn't take as much to get started anymore because, you know, you can just launch a website and, and, you know, have a business if you market it correctly. <laughs> and I think as Americans in particular, we've become so used to the staple foods that are in the grocery store and that's it. And you can get it anywhere. We we've lost really, we've lost sight of the really good food that we can get locally or even throughout the United States where we can, we can now order it and we can now get it to our doorstep. And so there's so much potential out there for people to get food or get their products or, or get the stuff you bake in New York or San Francisco or Chicago that, that wasn't there before. I mean, we've sort of flattened the world so much through social media that it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's true. You know, and it, it allows like, um, you know, someone who doesn't necessarily live in the South, the, the opportunity to experience like not just um, some mass produced idea of, you know, Southern food, but like actual Southern food that has the history of, you know, family recipes that have been passed down and, and, and it's still made by hand, you know, like not, not with a machine. So it really gives people the opportunity to experience um, regional items that, that they might not be exposed to otherwise. So you had mentioned goals and putting and becoming a business owner. What are some of your goals? We had talked about $5 million in revenue, but what other goals do you have over the next few years that you're working on? The biggest one right now is um, I would love to have some kind of um, entrepreneurial like curriculum slash internship pro uh, program where we partner with like high school students and give them the opportunity to kind of see what, what it looks like to own a business. Because I know, especially, um, you know, especially now with like the rising cost of, of college, you know, a lot of times 
for some kids, it's not even worth it to go to college because by the time they graduate with a, a degree, you know, they're so, so deep in debt that, um, you know, they, it's like, you know, was my education really, really worth it, you know? Um, and some people would, would much rather straight out of high school, you know, start a business and, and use their, their talents that way. So I feel like to show high school kids that um, entrepreneurs, you know, being an entrepreneur is, is an option because um, especially in our community I don't feel like that's that's taught um, since we're more of a rural community it, it's there's not as many opportunities for alternate paths like that if, if that makes sense um, so I would love to be able to bring something like that to my community and to to give you know high school kids an opportunity to see to see what it's like to own a business and to learn that at an early age um, you know, so that they can kind of explore that as, as an opportunity, um, you know, in addition to, you know, college or going out into the workforce or whatever. Um, so that, that's a big goal that I've had since the beginning, um, of, of my business. And it's, it's something that, you know, I've been working on the details for a while and it's just never really come together, but it, it's one of those things that's on my vision board that that's constantly in front of me. And, um, my hope is that, you know, it will come together when, um, when the timing is right. So that, that's a big one. And uh, then, um, you know, go ahead. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, we have goals around revenue because um, naturally we always want to be growing. Um, and then we've got a few wholesale um, opportunities that we're looking at. One of our, our biggest, um, the, the biggest things that we're exploring right now is um, baked goods and convenience stores because um, there's a lot of... Um, there's been a movement recently to have like fresh baked items in, in the convenience store market. So we're exploring that. And one of our goals would definitely be to, you know, try to find some kind of um, distribution there. And let's see. I love your student idea. I think that's amazing. And I agree with you. I think in the world today, so many of these kids come out of college. Well, one, they go into college not knowing what they want to study. And then they come right. out with a mountain of debt. And you think if they were to take that and be investing it into themselves and into some businesses, if they have some interest, it's just so amazing what they could all possibly come up with and the businesses that could exist. And I think it's great that you're mentoring or that's an idea that you have. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and especially in, in a community of our size, because, um, you know, the kaolin industry, um, there's a lot of mining here. But in recent years, you know, I mean, that that's a natural resource that will eventually be depleted. And so um, I think to invest in the next generation and to to create in them this desire to, you know, create industry in their community, um, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's a, a small business that only employs two people or it grows into a huge business that employs a hundred people. Um, if, if you create entrepreneurs in your community, then you're, you're going to create jobs um, in your community as well. And so I think to teach the next generation that they have the, the option to create something that can transform their community in the long run is it's just, I mean, I think that that's a, um, that's something that's important for kids to learn. Um, yeah, I know they have the future farmers, which is big in, in Georgia, but, uh, you know, food, future food entrepreneurs program might be something of, of interest. I know they train chefs and stuff in high school or, or that training, but that doesn't really prepare them to be an entrepreneur. And Deborah and I are in 
Georgia quite a bit. So if that's something you get off the ground, um, I mean, I'd certainly be happy to add to the curriculum and, and I don't want anything in return. I just would love to be a part of something like that and, and help people just like we're trying to do with the podcast. So um, if that's something you get off the ground or you want to keep me in the loop, I would love to participate in that and speak or, or help or mentor in any way that I could as well. And I'm sure Deborah is willing to do the it. same thing. And that's really huge. And, and I, I can't emphasize enough how much I think it's important that we export knowledge to the next generations uh, as entrepreneurs and as Americans. And so I love where you're going with this. And I think helping people and helping people grow is is a massive part of what we're supposed to do as entrepreneurs. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I'm really excited to hear that um, that you would be interested because um, there's, you know, I've, I've got questions maybe after this. <laughs> we can talk more after about it. Yeah, because I, I would love to hear your thoughts because we've got several, um, you know, like several avenues that we could take. And um, so, you know, with your experience, it would definitely be be nice to pick your brain a little bit and see what you think about the, the different avenues that, that we're considering at this point. We love it. Yeah, we may. We'll probably have to do get you on another episode, and and as we iron this out, we'll go do another episode on, on this part alone, and and spread the word, and and do it that way. So it, we'll definitely come back around to this. Um, but on the topic of mentor, you had mentioned your dad and being a CFO. Has he been a mentor toward uh, for you as as you've grown your business? Oh, definitely. In fact, there, there's not a, a day that goes by that I don't um, realize like how, how blessed I've been to have the, the parents that I have because they're both very um, like financially minded and um, they've been huge in helping me figure out, you know, like I said, the financial part of, of starting a business, which I feel like is, is something that um, entrepreneurs don't necessarily consider from the beginning because they're so excited about the idea that they don't think about the resources that it's going to take to get them where they want to go. Um, so, but you know, in addition to the financial stuff, I mean, my mom and my dad both have been there for emotional support, um, which unless you've launched a business, like, you know, it, people don't understand how, how like stressful and the all consuming it can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely true. Um, so just having having people, you know, to be able to to talk to and um, and people that really believe in you and you know, like want what's best for you. Um, I I'm I will be forever grateful to my parents for for helping me get off the ground because they, um, you know, when my dad helps me negotiate, you know, a deal whatever I know for a fact that he has my, my best interest at heart and so it's just it's nice to have someone like that that you can really trust um, and that you can take kind of your you know your your most difficult struggles and frustrations too and you know that you know it's it's not going to end up out on the street you know with like somebody spreading gossip or something like that so I definitely my and my brother too because my brother um he's he's uh, very business minded as well. And so it's just been great to have, to have that family dynamic. Um, cause when we sit down, you know, to have like a, a family dinner or something like that, it always goes to business. So I always feel like I, I'm encouraged and I grow and I have new ideas when I walk away. And it, it's just so cool that that's, you know, that that's my family. Like those are the people I see all the time. And, um, and they've been, you know, such a, such an in integral part of, of what I'm doing. 
Yeah, that's the way it is with my family, too. Uh, we can't sit down or go on a vacation or do anything together without business being talked about. And <laughs> it's sort of the way we grew up. And I know Deborah grew up in an entrepreneurial family as well. And when she had her own business, her mom was there and, and dad for her to, to rely on. So, uh, you know, having someone to lean on or just to vent to, you know, I, I would say complain, but it's more of a venting because we sort of just need someone to, to just listen every once in a while. And, and it helps as a, as an entrepreneur or a mentor and give us advice that's, um, unbiased, I should say. And I, I think that's hugely important. So I appreciate you talking about that for sure. And, and that, and the other thing you touched upon that I really want to talk about a little bit while we're here is gratitude. I don't, I don't think people realize how important it is to be gracious and to be thankful for the the opportunities we have, even if it's a bad time. You know, I heard a saying the other day, it's not about what happens to us. It's what happens for us. And a lot of it is we just need to be grateful for it. And we need to be grateful for the struggles because they teach us such lessons. Um, And you touched upon the gratitude piece with your family. And so I want to make sure the audience knows how important gratitude is for all of us, um, especially in the food entrepreneur world or any entrepreneur world or business owner is that, you know, it really goes a long way and it's contagious um, and it's contagious to our employees and it's contagious to those around us for sure. Um, So I'm glad you touched upon that. Yeah, that's, that's something that, you know, whenever I find myself getting frustrated, like I usually try to sit down and like either make a list of all the things that, you know, I do have to be grateful for, or, and especially like you just mentioned, you know, it affects your employees like that. That's something that as a leader, I've really tried to grow in is um, making sure that I, I say thank you or that I point out when they do something well, because, um, you know, I mean, when people feel like they're appreciated and that what they're doing matters, um, it really, it just changes the whole dynamic of, of what you're doing. And it really, you know, kind of puts some purpose into, into what you're doing. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely important and something that, um, you know, at, I'm trying to grow in because I, I see the positive effects that it, that it has. Yeah. And on that topic, as we start to wrap this up, I just want to say I'm grateful and I wanted to thank you for your time in doing this and, and, uh, answering so quickly and, and taking a chance on us doing this and, and, in our way of trying to give back and learn as well as give people information out there on being a food entrepreneur and, and so they can learn and we can learn and everyone can learn. So I really appreciate you doing that for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm more than happy to. And I, I think it's great what you guys are doing, um, shining some light on like the, the deeper story behind um, some of the, you know, some of the food products that we're seeing coming out of state of Georgia. So, yeah, thank you guys, too, for um, for being brave and trying something new. And um, so as we start to wrap it up, before we get off, how can people get a hold of you? And uh, what are some of the things you're looking for help in now? So if people are reaching out or they feel they can help you in some way, uh, what are the things that you're looking for and how can they get a hold of you? Okay. 
Um, so uh, my email address is lindsay at loosesugarbakery.com, and that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Um, or the phone number here at the, the cafe is uh, 478-240-5151 um, if anybody, you know, needs anything or has any questions. Um, and as far as, like, stuff that um, I'm looking for, you know, help or um, definitely the entrepreneur ship program with with the local high school um i know there's other companies uh that i've seen you know like on instagram and facebook and stuff they're doing something similar so anybody that has any advice about that definitely um i would definitely love to hear it and i would definitely love to see an operation kind of in action to see how a program works because i'm in the beginning stages right now and i just don't really understand how to organize it um, so if anybody, you know, has a similar program or knows of, of someone who does where I could go visit and see how it works, that would be awesome. Um, and yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is, is the, the, um, the program with high schoolers, because that's, that's been a, a goal of mine for a long time. And I feel like we're at the point now where we can really, um, really you know make it happen we have the resources that we need it's just you know having the direction so um so yeah that that's definitely definitely what um what i'm looking for some advice or encouragement in for sure and one more question came to my mind actually how did you come up with the name loose sugar bakery (laughs) um Well, when I was um, in college, um, so I was in the journalism program, and um, at UGA, they actually have a study abroad that goes to the Cannes Film Festival. Um, So my freshman year, I went to the Cannes Film Festival, and one of our classes was we had to, like, pretend that we were, like, producers, um, you know, that were coming to the festival and were trying to pitch a film. So we had to come up with, you know, like, the the synopsis for the film and kind of like create a movie poster and all this stuff. And um, my group did a movie about, it was going to be a romantic comedy about a guy who works in a fortune cookie factory. And um, the name of the movie was going to be loose sugar. And so (laughs) when it was so funny because I, I decided that I was going to open my business, you know, after I graduated, I was a, um, it was my senior year in college. And, um, when I was thinking about names, I was like, well, what should I call it? Um, that was, that was one of the first things that came to my mind and, and it stuck, you know? So I think, I think it was, you know, it was, um, it was the, the perfect, perfect thing. Um, cause when I, when I told people, they, you know, they laughed and they're like, are you sure? I was like, yes, that that's what we're going with. <laughs> I love I love that about uh, being a a business person or an entrepreneur, how there's all these little things we do in life that, you know, that mount up or come back and and we reuse when we don't even know we're we're going to need it. I think that's one of the funnest things, at least that I enjoy, um, is that how every little thing we do or, or experience sometimes comes back and you're like, oh, wow, like I could really use that right now. And, and it sounds like that's similar there. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. And Lindsay, again, thank you for, for joining us. Um, I'm Justin Bizarro and Deborah Micus is my co-host and we're the Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs podcast. You can reach me at justin.bizarro at gmail.com. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.